Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Blaster Cannon, episode 29 and... Man, we've got a, a fun show planned today. We've got a couple things to talk about. Some grand openings, some potential, you know, new people into the Lucasfilm family, new characters into the, our Star Wars uh, fictional family, if so you will. So many new characters. And so lots of interesting names. And so we have a lot to talk about, I think. Obviously, our show focuses on the more broader extended universe, the the canon material, if you will. So that's what we will focus on today. Did you just we got say a couple on of... a Star Wars podcast, extended universe? Yeah, sure. I don't know. <laughs> I respect you so much. I, I respect. Speaking of, of you, Saf, one of my co-hosts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> co-host. Hello. I'm here. Speaking <laughs> of yes. you. Here you are. I'm sorry, Paul. Yeah, I couldn't do any better. I love this. No, no, I'm just going with it. I'm just going with it. And then there we have that lovely voice is the ever lovely Megan Krause. Greetings. I'm just gonna get into it, ladies. I'm just gonna go in, diving right in, right into the celebration. Anaheim dates announced for the next celebration here. It's August 27th through the 30th, and these tickets go on sale as of today, which is a uh, Wednesday in a couple days. The four day passes. So celebration has been announced next August. So it's and like when people were kind of assuming it would be based on the announcement at celebration. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean the last celebration, not this one coming up, obviously, because they the tickets, if it was going to be another April celebration, the tickets play would have gone on sale um, after Chicago had ended. So the fact yeah. that they hadn't August was kind of around the right time for it to happen. Um, I think it it's a week before DragonCon as well. So it's going to be people who do both. It's going to be fun. <laughs> My housemate is doing both. Um, it is wild to me that it seems to be so soon, like it was just April, and now the tickets for the next one are on the way, and I think that's typical of a con that is yearly. Like, you always hear about people at Dragon Con buying their hotel rooms for the next year on the last day of Dragon Con, but it's bizarre to me to have Celebration be that soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's... I'm a little... I'll be honest. I'm a little bummed out. It's this soon. I mean, but it is. I'm yeah, not a it makes it a bit hard for me to go. So I'm not sure I'll be there. Um, right. Even though I it is an Anaheim, that, which yeah. is so much easier for me to get to. Uh, yeah. I just wish they'd like skipped a year again. Um, yeah, that's all I. Yeah, me too. I'm excited for everyone who's gonna get to go, and maybe something will happen, and I will be there. That would be good. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I. I. I had to ask my wife. I, I did it smartly in front of my brother, so she felt like more obligated to say yes. So uh, wow, it, it, wow, it, it was it was not really meant to be st- that strategic, but I was like, I mean, this is a good time to ask Morgan. She's in a good mood. My brother's around. She's not gonna hard to be for her to say no. And I, I've got things going on this next year that are it's gonna make it hard for me. So I was like, it's gonna be hard for me to pull off, but. You know, she just said it, it, it's almost like saying I don't want you to go, but I can't stop you. But she just said, you know, you you're gonna you're, you want to go, you're gonna go. So just you're, 
whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, well, that's fair. So, you know, uh, I got to, and but it's what I'm bummed out about is like, it's the tickets are already on sale. I wish they would have waited a little bit longer, like give me a few more months to kind of save up, you know? So it's, um, you know, like I said, it, it's a little stressful, mainly because of Galaxy's Edge. I'll be honest. Galaxy's yeah. Edge is the reason. You know, is it's already it's another one of our news topics. I guess we kind of use both. We kind of talk about both of them. But basically, with Galaxy's Edge, I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be able to go down there until Celebration, which a lot of people aren't gonna aren't gonna be able to do. Probably <laughs> Galaxy's Edge is gonna be very busy over Celebration. Uh, uh, I know, and that's what I'm kind of worried about. It's like, man, but at the same time, I have no choice. It's this is gonna be like my be all end all potentially. I thought yeah, it's this actually last... quite convenient to be able to go to both on the same trip. And I think that's why they put it out in August, and I think they have it in in Anaheim is to probably promote. Oh, for sure. Other stuff. I mean, that, that's yeah, it's it's obvious, but I mean, um, you know, I yeah, I just for whatever reason, you know, it's just I I'm a little bummed out, but I, I obviously Galaxy's Edge is gonna be a lot of fun. I've already talked to a lot of friends. Uh, I, I'm hoping my my older brother will go with me again. I don't think he'll go actually to the convention. We have a bunch of family down in Southern California, so he'll probably just like, hang out in the hotel with us and and help pay for that. And drive. I want to drive down, so I have a car. So there's a lot there's there's a lot of advantages and, and ways I can save money by it being in Anaheim. But it's still with with Galaxy's Edge that pretty much throws everything out the window because <laughs> one, Disneyland's expensive, but two, they have so much stuff at Galaxy's Edge I want to get. I mean, it's gonna be ridiculous. It's so. rough because I did notice that I don't know if this is a change or if this is something that's been going on all along and I'm just noticing it a little bit more now. But a lot of the responses to things like I see this when New York Comic Con uh, tickets open. I see it when celebration tickets go on sale is a lot of it's nerve wracking and it's expensive. And as many people I see excited about it, I see this kind of reluctant almost humble bragging but i also don't think it's i also don't think the humility is fake people saying like well i'm gonna have to you know save a lot for this i'm gonna have to shell out a lot of money for this and i don't know i just think there's something to be said for the way part of the experience of conventions is the stress of when you buy the (laughs) tickets and how much you spend for the tickets and is that is that okay is that bad is that good is it just part of any like big budget experience i think it depends on the person for me i realized in chicago this year that that stress was too much for me to pull off in like one year um which is why i've decided probably not to anaheim even though if i like push it i probably could um because i'm like i could save that money and instead come visit america and visit my friends without the convention stress and maybe even go to galaxy's edge at some point when it's not going to be filled with other star wars nerds from celebration um (laughs) So I guess it depends on the person and how they, like, feel about spending that money and, like, how stable, that like, their life is, I guess, as well. Um, it is it sure. is part of the experience, though, is being like, oh, no, this is expensive and stressful. Um, and I think, I think that's kind of unavoidable. Of that, yeah, yeah, and some of that is, like, it's hard to tell excitement from fear on the best <laughs> days sometimes. But I also know that... If I didn't have uh, press access, I don't think I would have kept going to to these big conventions as long as I have. Yeah, I'm kind of yeah. the same. If I didn't, if I wasn't like a developer or speaker or press at any of the things I go to, I probably wouldn't go to them. Um, and that's, you know, I'm okay with that because it's a different experience going like just as 
a fan. As a fan. And that's why Which is still I fun. It's still a good experience. I want to stress right. that that's still good. I think I'm too used to working at conventions now that going there just for fun would just be weird to me. Well, it's it's funny because I don't, you know, working for these, you know, Den of Geek and, and other Star Wars podcasts, I've I've never besides one that I that Justin gave me my ticket my first ever ever celebration, Justin gave me his tickets. He got a media badge and he refused to let me pay him, and um that was like the closest thing I ever got to that. I always paid for it because I'll be honest, I saw people work the floor, you know, working at also, and I just said, you know what, like I'd rather I. I'm not like it's 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 expensive, but I'm like you know what I'd rather spend the money to have enjoy myself and not feel I have an obligation to do something. With the exception of like you know again with the exception of you know like when we we met um uh what's John? his name Steve uh John <laughs> John 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 I apologize in advance uh John from Den of Geek and we and we hung out there for a little bit and did a quick little uh, internet video um that was a lot of fun like that the stuff like that's fine but like having an obligation working and, and having like th- deadlines and things like that or, or whatever, just it's, I just want to have the freedom to be like, you know what? I'm just going to like hang out at this, like, and you know, and stop and sit down and watch Star Wars people walk by for like an hour, mm. or I'm going to go grab a bag of Doritos and I'm going to eat and, 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 and talk to my friends for a while. I mean, that kind of stuff. Like I don't, I want to have that freedom. So for me, it's, it, I, you know, if people want to you know pay for my, for me to go and do nothing, then sure, I'll do that. But I mean, honestly, that's, that's not going <laughs> to yeah, happen. Sure, I'll so, do that. Yeah, I mean, me I'll too, do that. Honestly, if you, exactly. if you want to pay me to go to a con and do nothing at all, it, I'm I'll wear, I'll wear a t-shirt of, of Den of Geek or something, I'll, you know, but I don't <laughs> want to, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? It's, that's it's whatever. That's marketing so. about that, Paul. <laughs> Hey, I, I would, I would, I'd wear it. Guys, I, I'll wear your t-shirts. I, I'm disappointed, <laughs> right? These sideburns give me away. You know what I mean? I mean, anyway. Uh, yeah, I think it's like to be said for like the price of paying for a badge just to go as a fan and have a chill time is worth it compared to like, like a press pass is like a free pass, but it's not because you put, you put a lot of work into actually yeah. working. There's an art form to not burning yourself out, I think, which I'm, like, just learning how to do now. I'm not sure I'm there yet. <laughs> it, it's a balance. There's a balance, indeed. A balance. So so it sounds like we, we potentially might all be there again, uh, and potentially, uh, in, a, yep. in Anaheim, so Anaheim planning, next year. I am planning on going again. I actually um, already uh, put the money down on the hotel, so that's done. So... You, it, you know, this could stuff. change between now and then. I don't know, but I'm also like, if if somehow I don't get a pass, then like I'm just gonna go and hang out with people. So and, and that works. I thought about doing the same thing. I thought I on because here's the deal, ladies. I almost considered, and I I, I, I because there what's gonna be announced there is the casting andor TV series. They may have like a, a, a maybe a film panel where they talk about the future films they're gonna be working on with Benioff and Weiss and the other maybe. Ryan Johnson trilogy stuff like that potentially will be in the in the next but like besides that there's nothing really like I'm like jazzed to like go to the actual convention for other than hanging out with you my obviously John and Justin uh Kyle and Tim from Soccer Continues podcast that I do with them I mean there's it's like and all my other friends I hang out with too on the rig when I go to celebration with Dave, obviously from father, AKA father's figures on Instagram, go follow him right now. Um, <laughs> all that stuff. I mean, like, this is all like, these are all the reasons why I'd want to go. 
but I'm not. But that the, going to the actual convention, like this this last one, I was super stoked on a bunch of stuff. But this, you know, next one, I'm like, there's nothing really coming out from Lucasfilm like that I'm excited about. Besides, like, yeah, it'd be fun to go go to the Cassian Andor panel. But there's not. That's not really like you know. I mean, I, I love Cassian, but I'm not like, oh yeah, like you know, flipping tables over how excited I am. I mean, it's I'm excited for it. Like a lot of things, and I've been saying this for, you know, it'll be five years. It's going to depend a lot on the rise of Skywalker. I think the attitude, I mean, the quote attitude of the quote fandom doesn't really hit the crowds in like a meaningful way. But I think the amount of excitement there is will depend on how the rise of Skywalker is received overall and whether it's as polarizing as The Last Jedi was. And I think that's both... Um, on the fan side and on the programming side. That's a terrifying concept. I hadn't even thought yeah. about that. <laughs> Mandalorian's also the outlier here. I think that could really that, that could potentially move the again. I've I've been saying it a long time. I think Star Wars's future could be mostly in t- uh in the online streaming TV movies and TV shows aspects, maybe more so than the films. Have a film that come out every four years or whatever, three years, but keep it fresh. Keep people getting you know investing in the stories through that because it's a proven brand. But I don't know if if Rise of Skywalker doesn't deliver, they, I mean, ooh, ooh, it could be bad. But I, 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 like I said, I also even if Rise of Skywalker is successful, I still think the future of Star Wars is in TV. I just, I'm I curious just, I as think, well about um, Full on Order because if that does well, that could mean a lot of stuff for like Star Wars games in the future, um, which could be really exciting. Like I know, <laughs> so thus far there hasn't been much success with a uh, Lucasfilm, not Lucasfilm, EA and Star Wars games, but Full on Order looks like it's shaping up pretty cool. Um, and if it does well and like gets a lot of positive attention in like the gaming sphere, like we could end up with sequels or there could be other games announced. And I'm excited about that because I'm keen for more Star Wars games. And that's the thing. I think there's going to be more announcements potentially at this celebration than there were before in other things, meaning like not just, hey, we're having a movie panel or, you know, and, you know, or whatever. Like, I feel like there's going to be more surprises if you, if, if you know what I mean with this convention, because there's not really a lot to anticipate. Does that make any sense? So I feel like they, they have no choice, but to like announce things. And obviously it's a long time between now and to over a year from now until the next celebration. So there's probably going to be a lot of more announcements. We're probably going to know more what Benioff and Weiss are doing. The Knights of the Old Republic, if, if that's if that's what they're doing, or if that's a whole separate thing, We're, we'll probably know more information by then. But I feel like there's going to be more announcements at this celebration than it has before. So just because of, again, proxy, just like I don't know if they're going to have everything kind of spelled out by then. So who knows? But, uh, but yeah, it sounds like we're all going to go. I think we're all excited for Galaxy's Edge. Are you guys theme park people? By, by any chance not as like a hobbyist serious fashion but i enjoy them i enjoy a day out in a theme park um <laughs> i am planning on going to visit galaxy's edge during celebration i put a couple days on the actually before the convention where we can stay and do that as well hopefully there won't be crazy i mean there will be crazy crowds i'm imagining there's going to be some kind of queuing system or like time limit system but uh really looking forward to it i mostly um i've been Really impressed by what I've seen of Galaxy's Edge so far. I've just been following a lot of the the social media and the uh, images from that opening. So I'm excited about it. It looks... I'm very tempted to be cynical about theme parks. About, (laughs) like, literally, you know, like, 
Disney-fying something is, I think, even for, like, super fans, generally that has a negative connotation, right? So, but I think that it's really hard for me. Like, I can be cynical in my brain all I want, but then I look at just, like, the walls of Galaxy's Edge, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, like, scuffed with dirt, and, like, there's some Orbesh graffiti over there, and there's, like, a half-broken droid over there. Like, it looks so old and used, and Mm -hmm. there's some of the, actually, some of the conversation about Jedi Fallen Order reminded me of this. I was talking to Xena on Twitter about how Star Wars can very easily kind of fall into generic sci-fi. I think she had a really good point about that, and that instead of, like, Instead of the spectrum being like Star Wars is over here and generic sci-fi is over here on the other side of the spectrum and like it gets diluted uh, as it goes further on. I think it should be like Star Wars quote style is on one side and like weird Western is on the other side or um, kind of metaphysical world between world stuff is on the other side. And you need to put the slider there in order to prevent it from becoming starting to look like Tomorrowland. Right. And I think Galaxy's Edge actually did that really well where it looks used and it looks strange and you can tell like a creature like a loft cat right i really do love the loft cat oh my like, God, the loft cat and the cage is so cute. yeah the one in the cage yeah because it it well it's cute but it's also a little bit ugly right yeah like, it's, it's a bit a distressing li- yeah. like <laughs> yeah. i'm scared of puppets so i'm a little bit like freaked out about the idea of like encountering star wars animatronics in the real world um but i'm also like uh, from a narrative designer perspective i'm gonna go a bit nerdy but i really actually want to like go to it just to see how they built in like the designed in the real world interactions with this like i'm really i really want to see what the imagineers did with this because it sounds extremely cool how they built it and just seeing You're talking how about the app stuff right not just the app stuff just the way the world like just the way you interact with it, like the real, the, the way the cast members interact with yes, people, yes. just the way everything's set out, um, like how they've actually like built it to feel like you're in Star Wars just sounds really cool. And I really want to go experience that and like maybe write some notes in a notebook or something about it. Um, and also I want to go because it's Star Wars and I want to like find every single droid that they have around. All of the anecdotes that people have posted about interactions with the cast members are so good and so charming. And I know, like, that's what they're paid to do. Like, they have to be, like, they just have to, you have to, like, walk into those auditions with, like, this, like, aura of just, like, good with kids around you. But, like, the Ray is so, like, sweet with little kids and Fee Marathi is really good. And I'm just so impressed by the cast and I'd love to just, like chat with them about their lives you know yeah. they're like in universe lives i'll be honest i've avoided everything for the most part i'm trying to go in it as fresh as possible that's that's cool i'm excited so to see we, what you think about wow. it after that I'm yeah sorry I, we I spoiled I, it for you yeah spoiling no, no, it's no, like no. i always told us it's a loft cat it's fine no no, no. I'll, I'll i won't by the time i get there i won't remember this at all like there's so <laughs> much i'm gonna be you know what i mean so it's yeah. gonna, oh yeah i mean there's there's things i can't help i mean it's a park. People are going to talk about it. They're going to post pictures. They're going to post videos. I'm not going to be 100%, you know, I just, it's impossible. But if I'm honestly just like, I'm just casually, it's going to casually come out of my head eventually. And I'm going to go in, you know, because, and, be, and I always say this, if you're avoiding things as much as possible and you don't freak out about things you, you, you see or whatever, and you just keep it casual, I, at least for me, my brain will forget. And I'll be like, cool. <laughs> And I'll just kind of go in, and, I, and when I go in, I'll be so excited to see things I don't know about. I'll forget what I do know about. If that makes any sense at all, I don't. Yeah, yep. no, I but feel it does. that. I get that a lot. 
So I, that's what I'm going. So yeah, you know what? I know Ezra's helmet's in there. I know there's other things there. There's whatever. But you know what? I, when I go in, I'm probably going to forget most everything. So I'm going to be like, oh, I'm in Star Wars. So yeah, yeah you'll yeah, see the Millennium that, Falcon. That, everything else will go out of your brain. Exactly. So, <laughs> so yeah, I'm not, I'm not too worried, but it sounds like you guys are excited to go to it eventually. I am, I'm not a big theme park person myself but I, I do love disneyland i love the atmosphere of disneyland so i think i'm gonna love galaxy's edge so yeah I uh, really there's our, like with friends that's my main thing is i want to like same. there's one friend yeah. in particular who lives in la who really wants to go with me and i really want to go with her so like that's my goal is like i may not make it next year in august but i want to get there at some point with my friends so we can experience Star Wars together because i feel like that's like doing it on my own i'm like whatever but like doing it with a friend who's also excited about Star Wars just sounds like the best thing yeah exactly yeah. and um, i'm also yeah. more excited about the atmosphere than about the rides same yeah yeah i, I, I forgot there were rides there honestly <laughs> <laughs> i like i like rides generally i'll i'm the kind of person that i will want some of it spoiled for me because i don't like inside rides is the thing like some of the ones they have like the Jurassic park them. ride at disneyland like or at disney world like uh freaks me out but I think the simulator type thing, like the Falcon ride, will be fine. I'll just need to, like, know a little bit about it before I go in. But, like, it's super cool. But more cool than going on the ride is even just, like, seeing the Falcon. Like, the... Just I want to, like, eat Star Wars food and stare at yeah, the Falcon. Yeah. Like, I'm actually really excited about food because I remember when I went to Disneyland um, after last celebration in Anaheim, I really just liked the food. It was very good. And so I'm just like, I want to go back to Disneyland so I can eat some more Disneyland food. <laughs> And I want to yeah. eat Star Wars Disneyland food. Have you ever um, been to Pandora? No, I haven't been to Pandora. Just Pandora has some interesting food. And that's a good example, <laughs> I think, of they're making something, quote, alien, quote. It's, you know, a very different aesthetic, but it's basically, you know, they name it it's chicken and they name it something else. That kind of <laughs> idea. Yeah, and they yeah. fancy it up, you know. All right. Well, it sounds like Galaxy's Edge. I mean, it's no surprise. We're all excited to eventually go there and to experience Star Wars atmosphere. It's very exciting. There's one last before we get into our main topic of Judo, Judo, Dooku Jedi Lost. Um, Before we get into that and our main subject, there was something that was announced that I feel that was at first under the radar. And then it kind of got some momentum because of people complaining. uh, Imagine that. And things like that. It's like. I don't really want to give the people complaining any more of a platform than they already well, have. I mean, here's the deal. There's some well, people explain are what it is first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I think some of the complaints are not necessarily um, unfounded necessarily. It's how they're maybe being perceived. I don't know. I haven't listened to all the rants, but from what I'm hearing, I'm not, it's not, it's whatever. So basically, uh, someone named Michelle Rajwan, I, I probably, I'm probably butchering, their, butchering this name, uh, she was named Senior Vice President of Action and Develop- Live Action and Development Production for Lucasfilm uh, for Star Wars, basically. So, I mean, it says Lucasfilm, but we all know that means Star Wars. Maybe Indiana Jones, but it's all Star Wars. And so, <laughs> and I guess what Polygon has described as, as this role as, and as other people have uh, has as well, is that she is now the Kevin Feige of Star Wars. She is now underneath uh, Kathleen Kennedy. And uh, you're, you immediately think, okay, what are her credits? Well, she's worked on a producer. She's basically wrote from what I, again, I'm, all, I'm taking this from other people and I didn't do all my homework, but basically she rose the ranks with JJ Abrams um, and became a producer on a main producer on super eight, star Trek into darkness, force awakens. And as of recently, the rise of Skywalker. 
And now she's in head. She's a senior vice president of live action uh, story. You know, whatever that title would be. I'm assuming live action stories or whatever would be her her forte from according to this thing. Development and production. So what's interesting is that she's being given the title of Kevin Feige of Star Wars, and she's you know her credits aren't exactly like all over the place as like far as far as a veteran. And some people are using that as a, as a way of saying that she's unqualified or, or whatever. And I don't, and to be honest, I don't think anyone arguing either, either side is wrong to be quite honest, because the way I see it is this, I got into podcasting doing Marvel stuff. I know Kevin Feige very well, and I know his history pretty well for the most part. Kevin Feige was basically the same thing as Michelle Rougeau. She rose up from the doing and producer things, just like she did being assistants, working on X-Men as like an assistant or as a, as a set assistant production, whatever he had some kind of producer role. Kevin Feige was the one that made them said, Hey, you know, you, you need to give Wolverine his hair. You can't have him just have like poofy hair. You give him like the, the little separated pointy thing. And he took Hugh Jackman's hair and made his hair pointy. Cause he said, that's important for the character. And that's Kevin Feige. And he rose up the ranks of those of those films. And what people forget is that Kevin Feige was given this giant opportunity in Marvel Studios. Okay, Marvel went and did their own studio and borrowed 500. No, it was like 800, 900 million dollars from Paramount Pictures as a loan. And they and Marvel Studios, Marvel Company, trusted Kevin Feige, this guy who had basically just worked as a, a producer or a semi-producer on a couple films. He worked with Avi Arad and gave him all the keys to their B-list characters that no one really know, knew or cared about. Iron Man, Captain America, Thor. And then it's so wild him. now that it's like they were B-list characters that nobody knew about. Oh, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> they I, were yeah, I know what you mean. And so and the reason why I'm saying this is that she's given this title of, of she's running, you know, she's in charge of Lucasfilm like, live action. And they're giving her this Kevin Feige role. What's interesting is that she might have more in common with Kevin Feige than we realize because it's not like he was just some, you know, he had, he cut his teeth, but like they trusted him with a lot of money and a lot to do. And look what happened now. At the same time, you could if this internet was a lot bigger and there are people I think we had YouTube shows back in 2006 or seven when this all went down, whenever it went down, I think it was 2006 or seven. Um, then people would be probably saying, "Why are you giving Kevin Feige all this? Blah blah blah. Look at all this. You know, he only worked on a couple of films with Avi Arad or whatever, and you know, and maybe he did more than her in, in, in as far as being, um, you know, more hands-on with the, with the products or with the with knowing the material. I don't know, but. My point is they entrusted someone who didn't have the experience of running a giant thing and being in charge of something so important. And it turned out brilliantly for Marvel. Now they're going, they're, I think they're doing something similar with, with this lady saying, you know what? She's got, now obviously, obviously this has JJ Abrams written all over it. JJ probably gave her a giant recommendation. Yeah. I and think so that's an important part of this kind of I think this resume is interesting because you can see the pipeline where Abrams maybe uh I have no idea whether it that was a, a mentorship or a kind of they were in the same class per se like the same graduation year right like were they coming up at the same time um I don't know but they worked together quite a lot 
And then she um, got into Star Wars with The Force Awakens and obviously made an impact on, like, the entirety of Star Wars as we know it today. So I think what this shows is, number one, that a lot of people in Hollywood get there through connections. So many of them is that she knew this person. And then also that she has proven track record in Star Wars through working on The Force Awakens. And just like anything, any company, any studio, right, Lucasfilm has its own way of doing things and wants someone who can seamlessly continue doing things their way, the way of their pipeline. And she has proven through this very specific, short but specific resume that she can do that. Yeah. And if you recommended her, it'll be because he's worked with her and trusts her with this. And And also, like, uh, Kathleen Kennedy has so much experience and she's also like worked with a lot of people up and coming in film um like jj abrams himself uh and like she she wouldn't put she wouldn't put michelle in charge of this if she didn't also trust her to do it well like none of these people would be making this choice if they didn't think she could pull it off because they wouldn't want that failure um of course it's a big responsibility and like we as fans of star wars have no clue what her actual like qualifications or skills are we don't know like what she's actually done um, so it's easy to see like a short credit list and be like she doesn't know anything but like they they trust her enough from the force awakens to bring her back for rise of skywalker like they they clearly think she has the skills um and i mean <laughs> nothing seemed to go wrong with the production of the force awakens so she didn't screw that up apparently um, yeah <laughs> i yeah. i personally was not interested in star trek into darkness but all of these other things show You know, Super 8 is a very Spielberg-inspired film that had a very strong kind of 70s, 80s character to it. And then with Star Trek, like Abrams, she showed that she could work on a large franchise. And then that's that's the route into Star Wars. So that uh, makes sense to me as to why this is a person that they would choose. I also don't know, like, we don't really know the details of what exactly this position entails. Um, exactly. It's mm-hmm. to do with shaping... A, Ka- Kathleen Kennedy on the initial announcement says it's she's going to be looking forward to working with Michelle on shaping the future in all areas of story development, from theatrical film development to live-action content for Disney. Shaping it in what way, or in story in what sense, we don't really know, but... But I think what what's what's interesting she and I didn't read the quote from Kathleen Kennedy that she says story development I think that that that's where I think people are getting the Kevin Feige idea and you know listen I'm not saying this ladies it's, you have and this this is why I said earlier I'm not trying to say that people are wrong for being skeptical people have I mean it's let's be real she doesn't have a you know a crap load of experience that you know you would you know, some people some people would prefer to have in this kind of role and I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong for thinking that either what i'm just saying is using kevin feige as an example that guy didn't have much experience either and he ended up being like the smartest producer in the last like 50 years basically this dude is like unstoppable now i would also argue that kevin feige has an easier job than most of those people because he's adapting he has thousands and thousands and thousands of stories and characters and and things that he can take cherry pick from and knows what works and doesn't work so it's not like he's, you know, it's, I will say Kevin Feige is, I love Kevin Feige. He's brilliant. He's a super smart guy, but they're not exactly adapt. They're not coming up with their own fresh 100% stories. They are sometimes, but Star Wars is coming out 100% fresh 
and they could cherry pick from like EU or things like that, but there's almost like a res- a resistance to do that. Mm, no, that's no interesting. Pun intended. Yeah, and, I guess part of know, that as well is like she's not alone in deciding that stuff. Like whatever her role is, like that's mentioned in the quote right. that she has story development. But we don't know how much is involved in that, um, or if she's just largely going to be doing a production side of things. Right. Um, which like production, <laughs> this kind of role is important in a big franchise thing like this. Like they need someone who can kind of hold it all together and see like the lines between stuff. Um, and she obviously has proven that skill to someone behind the scenes. Um, yeah. I don't think she's going to be like calling the shots entirely with like what stories are going to happen, like coming up with the ideas or anything. Cause obviously a lot of the people previously, well, like Ryan Johnson, they'll kind of like do what you want. Right. Like they, they have ideas for what they want, but like they still give the directors a somewhat, um, a somewhat amount of right. freedom. And like, I think I think people you bring something up I want to touch back to though. I think a lot of people who are skeptical about this are assuming she's going to step in and have like control of things, like complete control of things. But she's still working part of a team. It's a team that is in charge of Star Wars, and I think like she's going to be an important part of that team. I think you touched on something that I thought was very important that you said that they gave Ryan Johnson a lot of freedom, and I'm and Kathleen Kennedy is. She's never been a story person. She's always been a brilliant producer. And I and I I will I just have to I will say that. Like I I have no ill will towards Kathleen Kennedy. But I think it seems to me, in my opinion, we talked about this earlier before the show. In my opinion, it see this screams to me that Kathleen Kennedy gave people a little too much freedom, judging by the the things that you see in Rogue One and Hans or Solo Star Wars story. And with Ryan Johnson, I think you look at all those things. I mean, J.J. Abrams was basically – he wasn't only going to do it if he had 100% control. And she trusted him. She gave a lot of people their trust, her trust, and she had to go back on a few things on with the Solo the solo and Rogue One and had to you know reshape it and quote-unquote save it. Um, with Ryan Johnson, she felt very comfortable giving him all her, you know, all her faith and, and everything. And, and that's been, it was successfully financially, but there's been ramifications after that. And people will argue against it, that, that there's no split or whatever. We argue that the cows come home. Regardless is that I think what we're seeing is, I think Kathleen Kennedy is like, you know what, I'm going to be in charge of the, all of these, you know, these big decisions of like, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. But I think if you look at someone like this, this person's probably, again, judging by what she, the quote says and what her title is of senior vice president of live action development and production, this person's probably going to be spearheading, I'm assuming, these stories and having people maybe not, I don't want to say accountability, but almost like that. So if you have a Ryan Johnson who, you know, again, like Captain Kenny was like, here, I'm, you know, I want I want these young filmmakers to come in and do what they want. Maybe now, while they have multiple projects going on, like a TV shows and movies, maybe this this lady will be like, you know what? I'm gonna go review this thing and say, actually, we need we, we need to look at this a little bit differently because that's her that's her role is a story based. Whereas Kathleen was probably thinking like more than story, but the whole wide company. I mean, I'm just kind of spitballing here, but that's the impression that I'm getting from this is that Kathleen is gonna make something a little more spearheaded where you know what, you're in charge of the story and you're going to develop and, and, and see these through and I'm going to give the A-OK and give my notes and give, you know, and I'm going to give you your blessing to continue it or not or whatever. So, because again, you're in charge of a whole company. You're not just in charge of just one film. Even though Star Wars is mainly films at this point, 
there's more to go on in the company. Maybe that's what she's doing now is focusing more on the company wide. I don't know, but that's the impression that I get. And I think when you say freedom, I almost feel like this is them saying they need to have a head honcho who's in charge strictly of developing these things and say, yeah, that's too far. Yeah, that's too much. And then and be able to bring that and kind of be able to work mm. with Kathleen now. Uh, yeah. So part of me is like, that might be a bit of a stretch, but also the thing that I think actually backs up that idea is, a super eight thing because that tone she has that sort of classic not classic but 70s and 80s movie tone in several of these that i think maybe that sensibility uh, might be something that that she would bring to like the broad array of shows she's working on is that or of movies is that kind of is that connected to what you were saying Kind of. I, I think I just think that there's she's probably it's it's literally just kind of a way for Kathleen to kind of like keep people kind of going and, and challenge people and not. And I don't want to say accountability, but like, again, having someone kind of spearhead a, a more specific vision rather than just being like, hey, go write your story and then we'll we'll make it work kind of a thing. Like giving I think I think she gave people too much freedom to an extent. I know that sounds weird in this big budget, high corporate conglomerate. I'm sure and I'm sure these people had you know restrictions in certain things. Like you couldn't just like, you know, put rainbow bridges and rip off things all the time like Marvel or you know like from a Marvel film or something like that. But <laughs> yeah, let's you know what I mean? like, too far into the weeds about about right. that. But, what, what I'm saying is – my point is, though, is that I think that there were some restrictions, but I think now there's going to be more restrictions in a sense to where I think that she has a – she'll have a specific vision and that she will make – she and that's what will be kind of like where the, where the, the buck stops, if that makes any sense. And I think before – it seemed like Kathleen gave them a little more of like, you know, she, that wasn't really her role or her, what she wanted to do, but this lady's role sounds like that's more of, she's developing it. So, I mean, she'll have probably more hands on with the developing of that story from day to day more than Kathleen. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I, maybe Kathleen was the same way. I don't know. But again, running a company is a lot different than developing stories and things like that. So who knows, but that's, do you have anything else you guys want to add to that uh, conversation before we move on? No, Honestly, I don't know what you think about what production actually means in films because I only know it from a game development sta- like standpoint. So I'm like, yeah, okay, that sounds that sounds fine. <laughs> no, fair enough, fair enough. All right, well, either way, I I, I want to make it very clear. I'm I'm not not made a decision either way. I've got to obviously see what the results are, and I'm I mean, but I will say this: I'm excited. The fact that there, if this it sounds like from what this title is, it sounds like there 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 will be more of a is hopefully a vision going forward for star Wars, a specific vision. And I think that's good. So that if that's what ke- this, this Kevin Feige role, quote unquote is that I'm all for it. So we'll see. Um, all right. So moving on, our main topic today is about a little, uh, audio book slash audio drama. I guess we call it an audio drama, not really an audio book, right? Uh, this is called Dooku Jedi Lost, and this is uh, done by the fine folks at Del Rey, correct, Megan? Am I right on that? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So Del Rey developed this. Now, now, we talked about this a little bit last time, ladies, and I think, I don't know which one of I forgot, forgive me. One of you were kind of telling me that the audio dramas is kind of a more, it's an up-and-coming medium, if you will, coming up. And I thought it was more of just kind of like, it was more of a callback to the original audio dramas from, sorry, my dog's barking. Yeah, we had quite a a conversation about that last time. 
Yeah, so I and I want to make the. I thought it was a callback to the original um, audio dramas, but it sounds like that's a more of an up and coming thing. It's getting popularity in general. Am I? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of big audio dramas around nowadays. Well, that's good. So, so go ahead, Megan. I will. I will come clean and say that I haven't actually listened to it for various reasons, which some of which I um, explained on the last episode, and some of which I did not. So I'm kind of gonna just sit back and like ask very specific questions yeah. about this <laughs> and because the things I'm invested in are like how is Ventress and like oh I see Kyneric is in it so <laughs> I looked at this character list somebody on the Star Wars Leaks Reddit has a list of all the characters and it's a beautiful yeah, it was a, it was an official post from Del Rey I think on Twitter or something but I couldn't oh, actually yeah. I couldn't remember where it was so I just found it on Reddit instead mm-hmm. I feel a little bad about how funny I found it then. <laughs> it's still very I don't, funny. Yeah. I don't know why. I, Star Wars names are always silly, and I love that Star Wars names are silly. But this is just a just silly extravaganza. We have characters such as Rustelli Quist, Glute, <laughs> um, Aerith from Final Fantasy, um, Jenza, full stop. I love um, that Jenza is the only one with a full stop after her name. <laughs> it's just I have nothing to add except all except this list is very funny and also I was honestly my heart was warmed by the appearance of Kyneric who's from the old Ventress lore and the Clone Wars Ventress lore and also Terrace Noob the best Clone Wars character. Terrace Noob is so cool. I love him. Yes. Yeah, I, I think that now, there was a lot of tell me who the rest of these people are. Uh, I can tell you who some of them are. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of characters they introduced that I, it's hard for me. It's going to be hard for me to remember everyone's names. I think that's something I commented on in our last episode, actually, was that they, mm. the cast was too big. And looking at this yeah. list now, I'm like, this cast was too big because I don't remember who, like, most of these characters are, even though, mm. like, some of these characters didn't even have very big parts, I remember. Like, I remember what, looking at this list originally and being like, oh, my God, there's droids. You barely, you barely get to know the droids, except for, like, one in particular. And I can't remember which one she is. <laughs> also, for the record, we're going to go on to spoilers, so if you haven't actually listened to the thing yet, yes. uh, and you yeah, care about spoilers, spoiler. then don't, don't continue on from this point. Yeah. Go listen to the thing. Are um, there, like big spoilers like do you think it makes sense for us to cordon off part of the show for nah, like you're the nah. major spoilers or are there really okay okay like there's I, there's, I, I, there's spoilers yeah. if you care a lot about this particular thing but in the grand scheme of like star wars there's no big spoilers okay yeah so we'll just i mean if, yeah, yeah yeah so i think that there's i guess we'll i guess, I guess we'll kind of start I'll kind of start talking about what i think of the story in general and then you can give your review staff and then mm-hmm. megan go ahead and just you can kind of take over from there and ask us what, you know, if you have specific questions, because you'll represent the audience, essentially, who are wondering, <laughs> should they actually listen to this thing that's Hello. like, what, six hours long? So I, I guess I'll start. Uh, or let's, Seth, uh, I'll, I'll let you start. Why don't you start us oh, off? Okay. What, your, what your thoughts on this oh, audio, audio drama is? Sorry. Okay, so to begin with, for the record, I have very strong opinions on audio dramas because I listen to a lot. And I have very specific likes and dislikes. So I am coming at this from uh, a very picky kind of side of things. But I guess I'm picky with books too. But I tend to not be picky with Star Wars books in the same way I am with real books. Real books. Um, I didn't mean that how it sounded. And non-Star Wars books. Original. That doesn't sound really good either in this context. Non-Star I mean, Wars. Books. Star Wars books are good, but I kind of approach them differently to every other book that I read. Uh, and I don't know if I had the ability to really do that with an audio drama because it's hard to pass out 
pass it, take it away in a different way. So I didn't love it, but I didn't think it was bad necessarily either. And I think it was a solid first attempt at this kind of format. Story-wise, I kind of just got lost a lot because a lot of the actors sound very similar, a lot of the characters sound similar, and there are a lot of characters. And when it's only done via audio there's no real touchstones to go back on and look at when you're going through the book you can't like flip back through pages to remember who someone is you have to like remember where in the timeline that character got introduced so you can go back and listen to that I, I'm, I'm gonna go a little bit into my game development stuff here when you read stuff on a page you memorize it in a different way like you internalize it in a different way to just hearing it and because of that it means that it's a lot easier to get lost in audio drama because you don't have that solid representation of the story in front of you that you can call back on and kind of use as the foundations for how you're internalizing the story. And I think that was a big struggle with this book is that this book, this drama is that I didn't, I couldn't form that kind of proper coherent timeline of it. It was too much happening. Story kind of jumped around a lot and didn't seem to have a solid pillar to the story itself to hold it together. I'm still not entirely sure what the point of the story was beyond giving some characterization to Dooku and I guess a little bit of Asajj stuff as well. The ending was extremely anticlimactic in my opinion. I don't understand the point of Sifo Dias in the story and that makes me mad because I love Sifo Dias and I was really excited about Sifo Dias' content but he spends most of the book or the drama kind of useless <laughs> like he's i think this is something that like it's touched on the clone wars it's been a while since i've watched it so i can't fully remember but he experiences visions of the future he's like one of those jedi that gets a lot of prophetic visions and he struggles with these a lot because he sees a lot of bad stuff happening because a lot of bad stuff does happen and so a lot of the book is him just struggling with these visions and not anyone really like doing anything about it in the final kind of climactic part of the story Dooku's doing this cool stuff, and Cypher Dias is just like on the ground, like in pain because of a vision, and is not really doing anything. Uh, and I kind of found that frustrating. I wanted more exploration of Cypher and Dooku's relationship because I felt like that would be important, and there wasn't as much of that as I wanted. It kind of ended with them being like, I guess we're just gonna not talk to each other ever again because that's how life is. And I was like, no, this is Star Wars. Give me more dramatic friendship stuff, or also them being in love, but that's just me. <laughs> so I kind of found that frustrating. It ties in well with Master and Apprentice, I found. But oh, yeah. on its own, it's it doesn't really stand up that well. Hmm. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hmm. You well, know, sorry, I, I, I sound design wasn't great, and that was frustrating. What was I'm sorry. What wasn't great? Sound design wasn't great. Like sound in the final design, scene, yeah, yeah. was like a dragon that kind of comes up, and the dragon, the entire final battle was just kind of confusing. 
because of the way the it was. was. I would agree. And the way the characters talked. Like I said, I think this was a good first attempt, but I think they need to, if they're going to do something that's more, that's less audiobook and more audio drama, they need to commit more fully to making it an audio drama so that the story is fully told through the sound, because that's the only way we get any, any reference for the story. Um, and I found that kind of frustrating because I listen to a lot of <laughs> a lot of high production like long-term audio dramas that have had a lot of time to hone this stuff and they they very much know how to tell the story through sound and dialogue whereas this was kind of torn between being an audiobook that narrates everything so you don't need that that extra sound design but not entirely narrating everything so you miss out on stuff because the sound design doesn't actually give you the right doesn't give you enough on what's happening you know, I think that's a very, very fair review, to be honest, because there's I think people have been really harsh on this book. And I, I don't know. It's not all unjustified either, I don't think, to be honest. But I, I found myself and I'm curious what you thought, Saf. But when I first listened to this, I was not into it at first. I, I liked the first chapter, but after it went into Dooku and Sifo-Dyas on uh, the uh, like Sereno and they're like hanging out and whatever i got a lost interest really fast and i just got really really boring and i'm like i do not care about any of this and <laughs> it and so i got kind of lost interest and then you know they kind of there's a couple things that kind of happen all right whatever but once they left sereno it it got more interesting for me and i i loved and you brought up a great point of once you know there was the, the cast was way too big but I feel like once they left Sereno and they were, it was more self-contained on the uh, Coruscant with, with you know, Jedi training and things like that. That's when it really flourished. That's when I think, you, like again, you had the relationship between Sifo-Dyas and Count Dooku, and their and their relationship. That was more interesting, and it, it kind of all, it just seemed to flow better when it was less going on. Yeah. And I so, actually, I think my favorite parts of it were the Asajj parts, because I think those yeah. were done very well in narrating what was happening, but also making it in character and part of the drama, because she's like, she's talking to herself and she's talking to her previous master Kai. Um, and I really liked those interactions because I feel like the way they were written was done really well for an audio drama. Mm -hmm. Like when I first yeah. started listening to the book and I was listening to the first part with Asajj, I was like, okay, this is good. I dig this. And then it got into the rest of the stuff with Dooku. And I was like, I don't love this as much because it's kind of presented as found footage in that Asajj is like listening to Dooku's audio diaries or like reading his actual diary. And I didn't think that was done super well, but the stuff with Asajj, I really loved because that was much more self-contained, but also, yeah, you get her narrating it, but it's also happening as she's narrating it. So there's no real disconnect between what's happening and what she's saying. And also her stuff with Kai was just really funny. Like the dialogue was written really well. I would say that she was definitely the highlight of of the story because I like the idea of her former master, quote unquote, haunting her. Basically, it's like you said, she's talking to herself and she's and I feel like he represents the guilt that she has, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, and that's that's what I kind of like, I, I saw it as like her like telling him to shut up constantly and trying to always prove to him that like, I'm no, I'm an evil person. Watch this and I'm going to do this. And he's like, what about that person? You you know, you're, oh you're a weapon. I kind of love that i, yeah, mean, I maybe wish the it, whole book had yeah been more maybe of that. it wasn't like <laughs> yeah. well but i kind of love the idea of 
kind of like haunting her and basically like trying to get her to do good things. That's basically like, what it is. He's like real. the devil yeah. on her shoulder, but he's a good guy. He's yeah. like, actually, look what you did. This is a nice thing. You're nice. And she's like, no, I'm not. I'm not nice. I'm evil. Yeah, yeah. See, I like the idea of her going through all these old messages because then Kai could comment. He could see the, the decline of Dooku and things like that. Like he saw the early signs and, you know, there it is. This is where the darkness hits or whatever. And she's like, oh, blah, 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 blah. You know, and I always took that as like as her. She's trying to justify everything to herself. And, and obviously she's so wrapped up. The dark side's corrupted her so much at this point that, again, Kai is the manifestation of her in, of her innocence that she's trying, you know, that is trying to you know keep the light, the light, if yeah. you will. The light. And like the if fourth. she does, if she does admit like to Kai or to herself that he's right that means she has to like accept step back and accept all of the things she's done up to this point have yeah. not been for good reasons so i think there's i think she's the strongest point because you get to see an, again you're she's almost like the audience too right she's the she's kind of talking about how this these people can start out a certain way and end up a certain way and i think Again, that's the brilliance of I think what George Lucas did with the Jedi that most of us weren't expecting. When you know, I don't want to bring this back into to the, uh, the bigger topic, but just really quickly, the Jedi weren't just like do-gooders and superheroes. You know, they are kind of, but they were very corrupted, and they, and they were like any, just like any organization that's out there, it gets corrupted and it gets bogged down in bureaucracy. And this is an extension of of what that is. And I love, I love, it's just. The brilliance of George to do that is where I think you see the the ideas in this book or audio drama, if you will, excuse me, that why that's a good idea, because you get to see someone like Count Dooku kind of go through the process and have issues with thing, how things are done and how you're hiding Sifo-Dyas and, the, and these things that he's struggling with, you know, his master, uh, Kastana. And I love those ideas that like she's, you know, they couldn't just bring this out to Yoda. You know, they, they were afraid. And yeah, they're... I do wish they'd explored that a little bit more because I feel me, like me a lot of that was yeah. passed over very quickly. I feel like this this story would have been a lot stronger if instead of focusing on Dooku's relationship with Sereno, they'd focus on Dooku's relationship with Sifo Dyas and through that, their relationship to the Jedi and the yeah. Jedi's bureaucracy. Um, I feel like it would have been a lot stronger because mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. the story tried to be about like your roots are like where you belong somewhat um yeah there's themes there i feel like that that was an interesting theme for them to approach but i don't think that was the right theme for this that that's not the reason dooku goes back to sereno entirely um it's because the republic is corrupt in a lot of ways and the only way to what he sees is the only way to help this planet that has been abandoned by the republic is to go back to his home and become the count so that he can do these things and he ends up getting corrupted himself by palpatine um but he does it for good reason. But in the book, I feel like that's not there's not enough exploration behind that to really explain what happens there. I feel like there's too much too much put onto him and Costana like going out and finding stuff out about like the Sith and whatever. But that's not the interesting thing about this. The interesting thing is why why Dooku believes this so strongly and why his relationship with Sifo-Dyas was so important for what happens. And I'm frustrated by how little that was actually delved into. Mm-hmm. You, I have to wonder, and I'm curious what you think, Seth and Megan, you know, for people who are, cre- you know, you guys are both creative writers and things like that. And I'm not much of a creative writer, 
But what I'm wondering, and you know, but being in the creative process of any kind of thing creative, things kind of take a life of their own sometimes that you don't mm-hmm. anticipate. And I'm wondering, I'm just wondering, and again, I don't know this writer, and he seems like a very nice man, uh, Kevin Scott. I wonder if when they asked him to write it, it was a pretty much a very basic like, hey, we want to tell us an introductory story of how Dooku uh, started falling away from the uh, Jedi Order. And here's some ideas or here's some story points you need to follow and go have fun. And I wonder if he came back with all that stuff that you love, Saf, that that I loved. And I wonder if that that was that became even better than the story that they asked him to do. But that's kind of what, you know, but it was already, you know, a certain time frame, you know, whatever that they had to focus on that, because that to me is the best parts is not what caused Dooku to go down, but all the things around that, the characters he created, the I'm assuming the characters he created. I'm assuming that the Kastana is one of his creations that he helped. Whatever. I haven't heard for, of Kastana prior to this, so I'm assuming yeah, the same. Yeah. So yeah. So I think that like it took a life of its own that he really started developing something and hit on something that's very interesting, but he couldn't go deeper into it because that's not the story that he was hired to write. But he I'm he had not started. Sure. I it, that could be. But I, I think a large part of what actually happened here is that. It's a different medium, and I don't think I don't yeah. know his uh, credits very well, but I don't think he's done an audio drama before. Um, and an audio drama is a very different medium to work in, and it's very easy to fall into uh, similar pitfalls that other audio dramas, at least modern audio dramas, have fallen into, uh, yeah. which is that found footage is the best way to tell the story, um, but also having a framing narrative so that they can have a narrator tell the story and i think what happened there is that because they were going through dooku's life through these like audio dramas and stuff or these these diaries is that like yeah yeah, the diaries meant that they couldn't really explore too deeply into dooku because they're approaching it from what he's he's actually saying to this diary or to his sister um and so the way that they approached it in that like she goes through his life through these diaries means that it has they have to be snippets by design Mm -hmm. and because they have so much that they wanted to explore and there's only so much time they have to explore that a lot of it gets cut down because of that and i'm not sure if uh scott kevin scott decided to necessarily if that if the stuff he was like super interested in diving into was dooku's relationship with cyphodius he might have found it more interesting to talk about dooku and his relationship Mm -hmm. with his sister and sereno and that might be why this happened and the thing I latched onto was interesting was not that or yeah. what. Um, I think a lot of it just comes from there not being an audio drama writer on this project to begin with, I think, was the biggest thing. Um, or, well, like, even someone who's, like, worked largely in, in like, screen modern writing. audio drama. Screenwriting yeah, or... even is different. Screenwriting is totally different as well because you rely on uh, you rely on visuals when you're doing screenwriting. And audio drama, like, I have a lot of feelings about writing to the medium you're working on because I do mm-hmm. game development uh, a lot of games you've got to adapt how you're writing to make it work for the game sure. um, and I've also worked on audio dramas as well and the way you approach them is very different to writing a novel or writing for screen even sure. writing for comics mm-hmm. um, you have to write it purely for audio um, and I think I think that was somewhat lost in the fact that it was a an audio like a book publishing thing trying to do audio and i don't think that's bad on them i think it was very easy to do something like this instead of mm-hmm. like something like the bright sessions which is an extremely popular audio drama or even night veil vale, right like it's if you don't come particularly from that audio side from the start it's very easy to fall into telling it like a book where it doesn't entirely work like that 
Um, and that's why, like, I want them to do more because I feel like with more experience, they will do better and better stories. But I feel like most of the issues I have with this come from it being an audio drama that's not quite an audio drama. That's Paul, a, I know, think the order of uh, things that you mentioned before about the editing is certainly a plausible one, but we're never going to know what exact order sequence yeah. that was. A thing that I think is interesting about this is actually looking at it in the context of what we talked about with Master and Apprentice, which is that often we said that almost always the original characters are more in, are, are less interesting than the kind of tentpole Star Wars characters who have their name on the front of the book. It sounds almost like this is another case where is almost the opposite, where like Dooku is not the most interesting character in the in the thing. Would you say that's true? Yeah, like I found like I wish we'd gotten more into Kostana and. Cypher Diaz because Kastana was really interesting herself. Um, mm-hmm. She she's like she's done research into Sith artifacts and the Sith uh, the Sith legend because she thinks that knowing the stuff is important for protecting the future and she's not wrong about that probably. Um, and so she she's kind of wrong. she isn't wrong and she's kind of yeah. Dooku's gateway to learning about those things as well. Um, and there's like little bits of exploration with um, Rail who's like a new character and Dooku like their relationship together because you get Rail post being Dooku's Padawan in the book. And so you see the relationship that way. And that was really cool as well, especially because I was reading Master and Apprentice at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of my questions. So I might as well ask it now, I guess, is did you find like, what were the connections between Master and Apprentice and Jedi Lost? And like, did you find them fun and interesting? I did in some, I found it fun and interesting when Rail started talking. And I was like, oh, he's just a cowboy. Um, <laughs> I did love that. Uh, the the interesting connections we're seeing how Dooku was as a Padawan under Yoda and how he was as a master to Qui-Gon compared to how he was a ma- like how Qui-Gon is thinking of him because you get it from Dooku's point of view not necessarily Qui-Gon's point of view in the audio drama but you get it from Qui-Gon's point of view in the book and there's interesting like it is fun and interesting to approach them both at the same time I think I don't think I would have gotten quite the same experience if I'd listened to this after reading Master and Printers or beforehand um so it's hard to say but it is it is a good connection I think between the two yeah I would agree I would totally agree I think that it was one of those things where it was fortuitous and I, it was really great seeing uh or hearing rail again uh, I, I listened to the audiobook for Master and Apprentice, so it was, it was very natural for me to hear Rail. I felt like it was perfect. I felt they had the same – the dialogue for the character was, was perfect, even though it was different writers. Uh, I like the character a lot, and I, I love the idea that Rail gets a little bit of his independence from – Count Dooku and Count Dooku didn't didn't learn that from Yoda. That's just something that's inherently in him already. And that that kind of started off with Rail that goes on to Qui-Gon and it's it's there. The pieces are there. And it's really, really fascinating that we that you you get to see that. And I think that that, again, that's one of the strengths of of this audio drama. And again, is that I thought the dialogue was pretty well for the characterization of the, of the characters was pretty spot on. And that's yeah, hard the dialogue to do. was written pretty well. Yeah. And, and that's where I would, you know, again, like, I would say that's a strength of the, of the, of the audio drama, but the structure of it wasn't necessarily the greatest. I would agree. Um, but yeah, I thought the connection with master and apprentice was really cool. I like the idea that there's, there's a reason why Dooku kind of starts down a dark path 
and part of it is his is his is uh is irritation towards the jedi uh you know in the jedi way of how they handle things another one is his maybe with uh uh his fascination with with sith artifacts and the fact that again one of the really cool things i thought was a nice touch and i'm curious if it was again the writer's decision or if this was a story group decision but there's a part in the book where uh, Kastana, Sifo-Dyas, and, and Count Dooku are looking for artifacts, and they get trapped by, I forgot what it was, but some, like, creature evil thing that captures them, and they have, like, it basically captures them and, like, puts them in, like, moss. Yeah, it's and like a weird, trapped. like, sentient plant thing. Yeah. On, like, and a dark side like, kind of planet. I don't remember much about it, but I do remember that, yeah. I, yeah, me, me too. It was kind of, it's, it's very quick. It's not long. It's like, they're they're on a ship. I'm like, wait, they're on a ship now, and they're they're doing what? Yeah, what happened? Like, I think it, it, the... the plan in that is that like they're trying to hunt down sith artifacts to stop other people from getting them um and they get a tip off that there's a sith artifact on this planet so they go there and dooku goes along to help yeah and so he gets trapped and then in in trying to escape and use the force in the meat and while he's doing that and trapped and he's basically it's fight or flight right it's basically what's going on Instead of like something, you know, from the light side showing up, something from the dark side shows up and he uses Sith lightning for the very first time or what you would call dark side lightning. Yeah. And he fries all the moss off of him and everything's on fire and he destroys the people that were, you know, uh, captured, captured them or whatever. And it was like, you know, he kept it a secret with Kastana and Sifo-Dyas. And I liked that idea that he didn't learn that necessarily from uh, Sheev. He, uh, aka Palpatine. Uh, sorry, I like calling him she. Uh, <laughs> but, 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 you know, I like the idea that he learned that on his own. He in- inherently had that darkness. It wasn't like, Master, I need you to teach me everything. I'm so stupid. Like, that's, I mean, that's not what <laughs> Dooku is. Dooku is a very, you know, he's a very bright, smart dude. I mean, there's, and that's the, again, another strength of the, of the audio drama is I feel like that comes through for the most part is that like Count Dooku is not an idiot. Like he's, he's very, I mean, he makes bad decisions that <laughs> I think that like, but again, but I wouldn't call them stupid decisions. He's making them based off what is going on around him and what he kind of grew up with. Another thing I got to I got to touch on, I thought was really fascinating that again, I don't know whose idea it was, but I thought it was pretty brilliant was the idea of rejecting your son or daughter or whatever, because they do have force powers and calling them a freak going like that mutant kind of method of like, I don't want you around me. You're a freak. You're not normal. You know, like I, yeah, that's why, that's why Dooku gets handed off to the Jedi. Um, it's because basically his, his dad's like, I'm not having a force sensitive child and like cast him out. He's like a naked baby on the streets. And he calls the Jedi and he's like, hey, pick up my naked baby. And so they do that. Um, and Dooku finds out that, yeah, he's not he's not wanted by his family. Um, well, he's not wanted by his dad, Father. at least. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that was a brilliant take. And that was a fresh take instead of being like, oh, honorary Jedi, please be hum- take me humble servant to take my child. And it, it's not, that wasn't it. It was the exact opposite. And I love that idea that, Maybe everyone in the galaxy isn't all keen on. Uh, I said keen just for you, Seth. Um, <laughs> uh, isn't it's all, infecting us all. Yeah. Um, yes. So yeah, the fact that the, you know people aren't in the galaxy aren't all pro Jedi and saying we gotta be you know have our kids be Jedi. No, no, like people, some people reject that, and I think that's fascinating and cool and different. And I like the idea that that is kind of what kind of gets 
Dooku his chip on his shoulder that you know he's rejected by his family, which he ultimately goes back and embraces. And again, it takes a very it takes a very uh, I'd say a very interesting person to take that role on it because most people I'd say would reject that. Say I don't I reject my past because that's not who I am because that's not what raised him. But because and I'll, I'll get to this one of my criticisms in a minute here. But one of my, you know obviously he has a connection with his family and he's like I have, I have a connection with my family. I'm drawn to doing this world you know and and you know he embraces that. I think it does take a particular darkness and a, a little bit of like just kind of darkness but. This is a different kind of person to embrace that and say, like, I'm going to embrace this now. Something that I've, I've known my whole life, I reject that, and I'm going to do this. I mean, I don't agree with it, and I think it's obviously wrong to a certain extent. But at the same time, I understand why he's doing it too. So there's lots of – I love the complicated relationship he has with, with, with everything, with the Jedi, with his family. So he definitely feels like an outsider a lot. I mean, him, yeah. even him and him and Yoda don't have this like great relationship. They, they they're fine, but like they didn't have this super close relationship like maybe he had with Rail and he had with uh, Qui Gon. Yeah, and like even from the start, um, when he's a Padawan and he's trying to get a master, he wants Costana to take him as his as her apprentice, and she picks Aphidius instead. Um, and so that's why he ends up with Dooku. And I imagine not Dooku with Yoda. And I imagine maybe in the background Yoda was like, actually, I want to take this kid. Don't take him. But like from the start, he's kind of like rejected from what he wanted there. And he still ends up with the relationship with Kostana because they they have similar interests and they're both friends with Sifidias. Uh, but I also I thought that was going to be setting up some stuff, and it didn't really set up anything. It just continued the idea of like him not really belonging where he wants to. One thing I found really interesting in this book is that. In it, it's revealed that the person who introduced him to Palpatine is actually Rail, his Padawan, or previous Padawan. I thought that was kind of cool to know while reading Master and Apprentice and being like, I see. <laughs> like, Rail, Rail is the reason this all kind of happens, but like, Rail's not a bad guy. And I think it was kind of cool seeing him meet Palpatine for the first time. Yeah, I, I thought that was really fascinating myself. That, and I, I again, I like the idea that it was Rail, and and again, how I also want to, I just want to know more about Rail. How does he know all these people? Like, where, you know, I, I just he has a difference. There, there's a different. I don't know. There's a lot of cool things you could do with Rail, and I, and I want someone. To, I want fan art of Rail. Where is my one audio drama just about Rail? <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. I mean, give me more. I want some like official pictures of Rail. Dang it, I, I want him now. Give me pictures of rail. You know, uh, um, <laughs> oh I want God. them on my desk by Monday. I want them on my desk right now. Um, so, I, I, a couple criticisms that I have to talk about, and I think I'm probably I'm I'm probably alone on this, Seth. But I'm curious if you got the same indication. The way uh, Dooku and his sister were written, I I'll be honest, it it just felt odd a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it felt like, kind of empty. Well, not just empty. I thought they almost wrote them as like they were lovers. Yeah, it, it, it did have a weird like oh, romance boy. feeling to it. It was uncomfortable. Oh boy! I mean, it wasn't intentional. That wasn't intentional. It wasn't. But, it wasn't. But it just kind of comes across in the way it was written. And it was yeah. like I didn't love that because uh, she's always like Dooku, Dooku, yeah, and he's like Jinza, uh, and I'm like, can you stop uh, yelling each other's names like that, please? Yeah, that's and not like, how siblings talk. Yeah, I'm like, dude, my uh, no, don't don't take my sister away from me. Not Jenza. It's like, <laughs> uh, uh, and like, and also the very beginning where he's like, I feel a connection with you, and I'm like, I I feel the same way, and I'm like, this is weird. This is yeah, like, you don't. Written, it's written really weirdly. I didn't love that. I yeah. I liked the idea of Dooku having a sister and having a connection with her, but I I did not like how it was written. Yeah, that was 
that was a little odd that that i felt that could have used some rewrites a little bit um in my opinion i'm glad you didn't i'm, I'm glad i wasn't alone because i felt <laughs> like it might be in, am i reading too much into this does this make me a weird person for thinking this is odd no, but it I sounds just, like i didn't feel like they were written as siblings in it and that was yeah. kind of uncomfortable yeah, okay. I'm glad I'm not alone in that. I, I wasn't a fan <laughs> of how they were written. That was my that was a big criticism because that, that obviously is a crux of what brings Dooku to Sereno and all that stuff. So yeah, like it was another thing I thought was interesting is how come you so when you leave the Jedi Order, you don't like this is what I thought was interesting, is that Ahsoka gives her lightsabers up to the uh to the Jedi when she no longer wants to be a Jedi. She's like, you know what, I'm out of here. And then when, and again, spoiler alert, if you really don't want to know at the very end of, this, <laughs> of the story, at the very end, Dooku basically says, I'm rejecting, he doesn't say this verbatim, but he's basically saying, I'm leaving the Jedi Order to be the Count the count of Sereno. And um, and I'm gonna re, I'm not going to be a Jedi anymore. And he goes to Yoda and says, you know, I'm, I assume, you know, here's my lightsaber. And he says, there's no, and then Yoda says to him, you don't need to. You're you're still a Jedi. I'm like, well, isn't he think, a part of the Lost Twenty? I think the like, difference I mean, there is when Ahsoka walks away from the Jedi, she feels completely rejected by him. She feels like betrayed by them. She doesn't feel like she's part of their order anymore. And so when she leaves, I think it's different to when Dooku leaves because Dooku largely leaves. He doesn't. It's not that he doesn't believe he's a Jedi anymore. He's not betrayed or anything, but he does feel like he has responsibility on Sereno, and so he goes to Sereno instead. And in doing that, he has to step away from the Jedi Order. I think the difference there is that there's not so much that that part of his heart that's like, I'm no longer a Jedi. And I think Yoda also had faith that Dooku would maybe come back, and also faith that Dooku was doing the right thing for the right reasons. And that's why he he mm. like left, like was like, you're still a Jedi, because in his heart, he was like, Dooku is still... A Jedi, Dooku hasn't rejected the Order, and he isn't actually leaving. Um, and part of that may have been because Yoda was Dooku's master, and he didn't want to give up Dooku yet, whereas he doesn't have that relationship with Ahsoka. Um, I did find that interesting, and I was like, okay, weird choice, but all right, he doesn't make his own lightsaber later on. Though I don't know if he does, actually. He might just bleed his lightsaber, because it is still the same yeah. curved hilt. Um, Which, by the way... I, I totally missed the curved hilt thing in the story. I don't know if I wasn't paying attention right, but apparently that is. So he's he gets his idea for the curved lightsaber from the Sith, like learning about the Sith, correct? Yeah, I think so. And he's like, that looks cool. I like that. I'll use that. Yeah. Um, so interesting. Yeah. Well, interesting. no, actually, I think I think what he gets it from is actually Kastana tells him a story about a fake yes, Sith who right. uses curved lightsabers. He makes a story right, up yeah. and he's like, that's cool. I'm going to use that. And then she's like, actually, that's fake. And he's like, well, whatever. And he's not wrong. It is cool. Um, so he doesn't actually base it off of a Sith. He bases it off of a story of a Sith. That's not even true, which is kind of funny. But I do like I do like the curved hilt. So I'm OK with that. Speaking of relationships. You, you get the idea that he's fascinated and, and secretly in love with Kastana. And Rail basically calls him out on it. And he kind of like, oh, you know? And, <laughs> exactly like that, and it, I hope. He, he basically does. He's like, oh, basically. oh, oh, oh. And, you know? And, and I, I don't know. I kind of wanted them to kind of like hook up eventually. I'm like, man, when's this like? This is like, obviously there's some tension there. Like, you know, I mean... I don't know. There was just some. Um, it was part of I, like the lack of depth in his relationship with Kastana and Sifo Dyas. Is that and, and, it wasn't really a couple that kind of. 
Right. I don't want to make it sound like, you know, you have to because it's, you know, you know, I don't want to say you have to have love stories. It felt weird that that tension and that like suggestion was there when it never like was never, never really was addressed or anything. Yeah, exactly. It is. It just kind of because it felt like you obviously knew she trusted him and in so many different ways because she gave him the convoy to uh, which, by the way, when when her convoy like bites the dust. So depressing. Oh, my God. Yeah, for real. (laughs) That was not cool. And yeah, so yeah, I, I don't know. Like, so at one point in the story, Kastana gives uh, Dooku a convoy, her pet convoy, to take look after, because her and Sifidius are basically going to go on like a big journey, and they don't see each other for a long time. But he takes care of her, takes care of the convoy for her. And I, I, again, I like the gesture. It's just like, it, like you said, Saf, you said it perfectly. They they left it open enough to where you you couldn't help but think of like well are they gonna like are they gonna kiss or what like you know I mean come on <laughs> I mean like that's what I was left wondering and Castano was a really interesting character and this is how I'd sum up I guess kind of wrapping up the show here like we all would agree the story wasn't terrible Saf it wasn't the greatest there's parts that were good there's parts that were bad there's it it definitely failed from a big a big cast. But one of the things I think that I, I liked was they hit on things like Kastana. And I think I, I like Sifo-Dyas. I like the idea that you you kind of set up Sifo-Dyas to be this kind of, I don't, I hate to say it, but pathetic character. That he's, Dooku's he's g- tragic. And I know, enough, that's what I'm saying. And yeah, no, I love the idea of him being yeah. a tragic character. I just wish there had been m- more behind <laughs> that with Dooku. But we don't, but again, there, there is going to be more because... It's not over. And that's the thing that sucks about it is that you want this is what this is what I'll give the strength to the Dooku um, Jedi loss is it's it's I think it's I think if you're on the fence of getting it, if you're on Audible already, just get it. If you're a Star Wars fan, you're on Audible already. Just seriously, just go get it. It's 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 a fine six hours. It's it's not perfect. But it's it's good enough to where it's entertaining enough to get some cool uh, characterization of Count Dooku, which I'm 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 actually growing to like a lot more these days because of Masters and Apprentice, because of this book, and because of just the the character in general. I, I just kind of think he's an he's getting more interesting to me as I, I've gotten older. So because I'm getting old too, I don't know. But uh, but yeah, I, I think this is is a, is a worthwhile story if you're on the fence. I think it's worth picking up. It's just not. I don't think obviously they perfected this yet, but like Saf was saying, I'll let her you know, wrap everything up here with her own things. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is it, it's a good it's a good start. I don't want them to stop. I want them I want Random House slash Del Rey to keep going with this because I think they just need to perfect it. And this is just round one. Let's give it a couple more chances to, to, before we say let's not do this anymore. Because I like the idea. There's stuff that was there that was good. Just wasn't quite there yet. And I think Seth said it best. Maybe we need to hire an actual audio book, uh, or excuse me, audio um, drama uh, writer, if you will, or have it more of a, a consultant in that way. But Seth, what's your final thoughts on uh, Jedi Lost here? Hey, Lucasfilm, I'm I'm available for work. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> this is fine. Like it's fine. Not in a not in a. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Lying way. Like it is fine. And if you like Dooku and you like Asajj, like it's it's probably worth listening to. It's only six hours, so it's not super long. There is some interesting stuff in there. Some good exploration of stuff. I <laughs> I want more like this, but done with a bit more of a precise touch. I think. And I hope I hope they do that. Also, I hope we get more stuff with Kastana and Sifo-Dyas because I really want more about them. I mean, I've been wanting more Sifo-Dyas content since I watched Attack of the Clones for the first time. So, like, I am the one, like, 
the one big Cypher Diaz fan in the back being like, give me more Cypher Diaz. And Lucasfilm was like, why do you care? Why? But that's just me. I want more of them. I want more exploration of them and Dooku because I feel like there's some good, 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 tragic relationship stuff to set up there. Not like romantic relationship, just like relationships in general. I want more of that. Otherwise, like, yeah, it's fine. It's it's all right. It's not my favorite Star Wars thing I've read this year, but it was a good side to Master and Apprentice. So if you enjoyed that, this is probably worth getting as well. Megan, what I'm curious what your thoughts of like hearing our opinions of all, about all this. What's your kind of takeaway from someone, you know, who hasn't who hasn't listened to it yet, may not listen to it? Does does, it, does, does our our positive positives and negatives make you want to listen to it more, less? Not really. What's your what's your take about all this before we wrap it up? You're really making me want to read a transcript of it. Because... Yeah. Okay. That's actually another comment I have really quickly. Yeah. Is that they, if they're going to be doing these things, they should be releasing transcripts of them. Like maybe just like you have to buy it first to get the transcript, so that there's not like a transcript floating out there. But like accessibility-wise, having a transcript would be really nice for hard of hearing Star Wars fans who can't actually approach this. Um, and that is one of my biggest criticisms is that there is not a transcript that you can get for this book or this audio drama. Um. And from an accessibility point of view, I do not like that. I'm sorry for, like, derailing you like that. No, I I think that's really important. (laughs) I I can't speak directly to the accessibility aspect. I can only speak to, like, I don't consume audiobooks generally, and this has not made me want to go out of the way to consume one. Um, I do like the stuff that you guys have said about the Ventress um, kineric dynamic. Like, that sounds wonderful. I wish they had gone a little more a little weirder with uh, Sifo-Dyas and the prophecies, but, like, you could basically write it on my grave, like, Star Wars should be weirder. Like, I always think that. So I don't think those things are necessarily unique to this story, but the the format is just so much of a barrier for me because I don't have an Audible account. I don't... The way I listen to podcasts is, like, during... Uh, to me, there's a big difference in the amount of attention required for a podcast and the amount required for a book. And it's just like, for no discernible reason, my brain just doesn't work like that. So this format still doesn't work for me. But I think it might be, maybe also if you guys had said, it's amazing, it's flawless, it like makes the way you look at Master and Apprentice completely different. If you've given it like five stars, that might be enough to sway me to it there. But as of now, I'm not sure whether I'm in the minority or not as someone who it's going to be really hard to get me to take that leap and like go over to Audible. I don't know. I would be really curious about the numbers of how much of the audience did make that leap when they maybe weren't into audiobooks before or how much of the Star Wars books audience already listens to audiobooks. I am really interested on the business side, but I also like don't have and, and frankly don't really intend to go looking for those numbers. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like they'd probably be hard to find in particular. This is not something I'd be like, if you're not into audio stuff already, go listen to this because it's not the best introduction. Um, unless you're already like super super into those characters and like super into the idea of it uh and i hate i i was so excited for a neo drama like from star wars so i'm like ah i hate that it's not perfect so i can't be like listen to this amazing thing welcome to the world of audio dramas mm. but if you like halo there's the hunt the truth podcast which is really good uh <laughs> so like it, it starts a little rough but it does get really good rough. yeah so there are good examples of franchise audio dramas done previously so i'm just like please please keep doing this and please keep improving because i think it would be a really cool thing to have star wars audio dramas as like a thing 
again. This is a, a very fair, honest review of of, a, of an experiment that I think we we all minus Megan's Megan's not really again you would admit Megan this is not really up your alley as far as the medium itself but for me and Saf you're more I'm more of an audio uh, drama or audio book person and you like audio dramas yourself Saf that this is more up in our wheelhouse and, and it may not be perfect but we like the direction it's going and we want to see more so I hope yes. do more let's just get better and learn let's make this a learning experience and learn what we should do and shouldn't do and also let's uh let's explore uh Kostana and Rail Avaros and Sifadius a little bit more even Count Dooku let's let's go hey you know what let's just explain Count Dooku's origin it's not like he can do much more you know let's let's give us an audiobook of let's say Sifadius being corrupted by Count Dooku because again I that tragedy is what I want to hear about I want to see that tra- or hear that tragedy. So, uh, and I think like with the voiceovers and, and the great, uh, I think, and I think all the actors and actresses did a fantastic job. I don't think they, I don't think they were a problem at all. Would you agree with that, Saf? Yeah, no, they all did really well. Yeah, I don't think there was any, there, I don't want to give any criticism to the performances because I, I thought the performances were very, very good. In fact, it was strictly just story structure of how things were done is I think what me and Saffir's main, our main problems are. This, I thought the voiceover work was was very, very solid. So, you know, that wasn't the issue. The, again, maybe the sound designs wasn't great, but the actual performances of the characters were all pretty well done. I don't think I was ever like, well, I'm listening to an audio drama. This is lame. I never really felt I was sucked into that point, that part of the of it, like, not being good, if that makes any sense. So, yeah. So, yeah I almost, I'd say, like, honestly, like, I know this isn't a thing they're going to happen, but I kind of would love it. Like, I would have preferred this kind of thing if it had been, like, Asajj and her ghost friend Kai go through, like, some time portal, basically, to go back and witness witness these 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 snippets, uh, not from a diary perspective, but from her, like, being there as kind of a, a time ghost, I guess, watching it happen with Kai as a commentator. Um, would have been fun. Yes, I think it would have been please. a cool way to do it. Not that's not how Star Wars works, but that would have been fun. <laughs> I just want more yeah. of Asajj and Kai being a terrible duo. While like experiencing things. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, like I said, I think there's there's good stuff here, but let's uh, let's improve on that. And I and again, I look forward to hearing the next audio drama. So, yeah, I guess that wraps up this episode. Thank you everyone for for listening to it. Thank you for Denny Geek for hosting this. I think the next episode we'll, we'll probably have we'll probably talk about Alphabet Squadron. Alphabet. I, I'll be honest, Alphabet. guys. I, I haven't even I haven't even started it yet. Oh my god! I'm on my second read through at the moment. We forgive you. Now hold on, for the record, I did just get it last week. So, and I was just finishing up Dooku Jedi Lost, so I will start it soon. Okay, so don't give up. I understand. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll I will try to get this. I got. I'm pretty busy the next couple weeks, and it's gonna be you know. But I will be on a plane, so I'll you know I'll have I'll have opportunities to listen to it. But I'm gonna do my best. This is a long audiobook. I was looking it at it. It's man, a long. It's a big book. <laughs> it's a, It's just. This is no Jedi lost six hours. This is an undertaking, and I obviously I'm committed to reading this because I love Star Wars and I love podcasting with you lovely ladies. So I'm I'm gonna do it. But this could be. I might need a little extra help on this one. We'll see. I, I'm gonna do my best. So um, obviously I I 
I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna knock it through at some point. But uh, but yeah, I think Alphabet Squadron is pro is 90% gonna be our next topic. I know these ladies are chomping at the bit for it. I'm hoping that all the Tie Fighter issues will be will be done by then, because that's the other thing too. I kind of want to like read all those and then read the, the the book. But there's only three issues released so far, so I think, I don't think I that's could, really necessary. It's fine. Think, all right, fine. I yeah, I like it's, it's like they they they're connected, but I don't think they necessarily tie into each other like in uh the separate stories we'll talk about those a little bit too because they have some cool stuff in them so far yeah not essential but just cool cool oh awesome well all right well then i guess again we'll be doing alphabet squadron uh by alexander freed for the next episode which just came out so pick that up if you want to follow along with us uh, audiobook obviously or regular book as or on digital media whatever you, you prefer but that will be our next thing if you want to follow along with us so until then ladies i'll start with you megan where can people find your lovely work at and on until we are next are are we uh are we a next episode whatever that means <laughs> you can find me at blog full of words on twitter I write for StarWars.com, Star Wars Insider, and Den of Geek. My latest thing is kind of a collaboration. Um, associate editor John Saavedra, my editor, interviewed Alexander Freed um, at Celebration, and I then wrote up kind of a little list of, like, here are things we learned about from that interview. So that's up now, and that has some more details about Alphabet Squadron, but it is, it's very spoiler-free, so you can read it even if you haven't read the book. Saf, where can people find your work in between this next episode? Hmm? Um, so you can find me on Twitter at Wanderlustin, W-A-N-D-E-R-L-U-S-T-I-N. You can also find a lot of my writing at the moment on Patreon, which is also Wanderlustin. I also do the podcast Rogue Podron, and at the moment we're going through Alphabet Squadron uh, there. So if you want to hear a cast of goofballs kind of derail alphabet squadron you can go there you can find me paul herman aka uh, pthug herman 22 two n's on twitter and instagram uh find me there you can also find me on other podcasts marvel newscast uh where i do lots of marvel stuff every week got a lovely patreon there please support the patreon there's lots of cool stuff you can get extra episodes uh, uh, exclusive discord chat to talk marvel uh mcu stuff with me sean the head honcho and a lot of other awesome people also uh, my other pot star wars podcast the saga continues uh with my good friends tim and kyle and i uh, just love those guys to death they're very good friends of mine and i love working with them so definitely definitely check us out there also follow the in the excuse me the twitter of blaster cannon uh that's blaster and then canon c-a-n-o-n pod on twitter as well follow it there follow us there and we will and ask us questions and uh we will try our best to answer you so uh i am paul i speaking for megan and saf here thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 